Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's podcast is brought to you by AlleyRepair.com. Don't leave your skee-ball machines lying around collecting dust in the basement. Let AlleyRepair.com bring those machines back to life. High-quality workmanship for your skee-ball playing needs. Contact AlleyRepair.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Fro-Life Wrestling Podcast. Uh, in this episode, we got a whole lot to get to. We've got the pay-per-view, the elimination chamber to talk about. We've got the results from Monday Night Raw. Uh, and we got a few other tidbits from all over the globe, so I want to try to move at a relatively quick pace, because like I said last week, for some reason we go over a half hour and the software just doesn't like us anymore. So, let's get started with the Elimination Chamber. Actually, in, in retrospect, I thought this was a really good pay-per-view. I, considering that it was a one-brand pay-per-view, that there was three women's matches on the card, really says something about the women's revolution and where WWE's focus is, and top to bottom... There was actually a lot of opportunity for some cool match work to go on and, and to see some things that I didn't necessarily expect to see, um, especially in, in the main event. So let's get started. The opening match, I'm not worried about the undercard, the, the pre-show with uh, Mojo Raleigh getting a win over, you know, another bomb. So it really was a pointless match. I'm going right to the main card with the opening match of Mickey James going against Becky Lynch. The betting odds had this one very close towards the end great opening match back and forth uh sees becky lynch pick up the win very physical and i love the physicality between these women i think that's one of the reasons they brought mickey james back into the fold is she has the ability to really hang with anybody in the business and be physical make the women's matches not look like these choreographed horrible matches but really look solid and physical i would love to see a program with mickey james getting in there with a charlotte or a Sasha Banks or Bailey or somebody like that who can really go, or even something with Nia Jax because she's had a history of being able to, to battle these bigger women in the past also. Really happy to see her have a real quality match. Not real happy that since she's been back, this is the third straight time she's going to lose. I just don't see the, the, the booking sense in bringing somebody back and going that route. It almost gives the perception that whenever a star comes back, they're just going to be fodder for getting beat. You know, we've seen that with with RVD in the past, with Jericho at times in the past, her situation. Short other, other than Goldberg, really, that's everybody. Even Sting. Sting, his two matches in WWE or whatever, he never wins a match. So kind of kind of frustrating from that perspective. But otherwise, great match, great opener. 
the Kalisto and Apollo Cruz match going against Dolph Ziggler in the handicap match. I, I, I don't understand the booking in this one at all. Um, I, I saw the odds go back and forth repeatedly. Even after the last episode of the podcast, the odds shifted again, and it was heavily in favor of Kalisto and Cruz, who ended up picking up the win. I'll give them that. They actually look great in the ring working together. I can't even begin to see that being a tag team, so I don't know why there was all this uh, two double-team stuff at the end of the match. You know, Kalisto hitting one move into Cruz's finisher and all that kind of stuff. That's cool on camera, but at the end of the day, I don't know what you're working towards when you put two guys against the heel, have them win. This really was a perfect opportunity for you to have either Ziggler come out with a win and really establish himself back at the top of the echelon because he's not even in the top six if he's not in the chamber. Or you had a situation I thought they were going in where Kalisto got hurt at the beginning of the match, which made it really like a one-on-one deal. And you could at least see where like maybe Kalisto comes down and gets a quick pin at the end or something like that. But then they actually had him come in and work a good chunk of the match. So I really just I didn't understand the booking there, but whatever. So it's a solid match. It was, it was fun to watch. You know, it's not like it was a horrible match. I didn't understand the ankle breaking angle at the end with the chair on, on Apollo Cruz, but whatever. We'll see where they go with that this week on SmackDown. Uh, I really enjoyed the tag team turmoil match. Uh, Some shocks and surprised for me. I love that Slater and Rhino came out first and beat Brizango. Uh, Brizango, I mean, talk about a waste of a couple guys. Like, these guys haven't done anything of value. And the, the whole tag team division on SmackDown is pretty much garbage. Raw has a significantly better tag team division, even with uh, people like the Shining Stars. I would take the Shining Stars right now over Breezango. I don't, I don't know what, you know, the SmackDown bookers are thinking, but they need to start building some teams to be legitimate and make that division really sing. But see Slater and Rhino come out first, eliminate Breezango. You see Slater and Rhino then eliminate the Villains. The Villains came out of NXT. XT and look like they could be something. I love their throwback gimmick that they do, but at the end of the day, they're glorified jobbers too. This seems to be the pattern of NXT tag teams coming into the main roster. If I was, you know, some of the teams, the revival and people like that, I'd be a little worried about coming to the main roster the way some of these teams from NXT seem to get buried, you know. So Slater and Rhino go over the Vaude Villains. The Usos come out. Now, after two matches that they've won in a row, you knew Slater and Rhino had to give one up. The Usos are probably, outside of American Alpha, probably the best team in the match. You knew they had to have a win. The Usos eliminate Slater and Rhino. Solid back and forth, good stuff. American Alpha come out next, the champions. I don't understand when this was like a throwdown challenge from the champions that they could beat the whole roster. They should have been out there first just my opinion you really establish your team as like the studs if you bring them out there first because they were the ones who threw out the challenge now at the end of the day though if you think about it if you have them come out first and beat all five of the other teams it does set up a problem where like okay they beat everybody who's left for them to challenge then again if you're booking like i am you want the new day to go there and challenge them anyway so whatever we'll see how that turns out but American Alpha comes out, they beat the Usos, which leads to a full-on beatdown by the Usos after the bell, which begs the question, if the Usos are so tough that they can beat up American Alpha after the bell, why the heck didn't they do that during the match? Oh, wait a minute, they couldn't. So all of a sudden, we were supposed to believe that they were able to turn it on all of a sudden, and now they can beat uh, American Alpha all over the place. So... They get beat down, leave them laying in the ring. Out come the Ascension, the last team to come out. It actually looked like you may be seeing the Ascension win the tag titles. They pick up, you know, they pick up Gable and immediately hit their finishing hold on him. Or maybe, I don't remember, it could have been Jason Jordan for all I know. I picked up one of the guys from, from American Alpha, hit their finishing hold. I thought that was over. I was like, yes, 
they're going to establish the Ascension as a legitimate tag team since they've been buried since the minute they got to the main roster. And they didn't. They instead made them look incredibly weak when you hit your finisher and multiple other moves and still can't get the pin on guys who already went through a match, got a thorough beatdown, thrown into everything there is around the ring, just absolutely piled on with all this punishment, and all of a sudden they can't beat the last team out there. What's that say for the Ascension? So you see American Alpha end up getting retaining the championships with the pinfall in the Ascension. Great match, though. It was nice to see American Alpha get some screen time for a change, and I love what they did with Slater and Rhino. I'm glad they gave them some time as well. Uh, you move to the next match, which was Nikki Bella versus Natalia. I- I'm-, I'm just saying, people, this was the most nonsensical match it, probably in the history of WWE pay-per-views for me. I would take the gimmick battle royal from WrestleMania, whatever it was, 17, I believe, before I would take this again. Because we've waited weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of Nikki Bella arguing with uh, Natalia. And it was culminating with this match. And nothing happened. Nothing got resolved. They both end up getting uh, counted out and it's it's just a waste it was a complete waste of time uh, they drawn out this feud and now they're ready to end the feud because they're going to be starting something new with Nikki Bella so I, what the heck was the sense of this last month month and a half worth of build up to something that ended up with no no winner whatever I'm going to get off that Randy Orton comes out for his match with Luke Harper killer match my opinion these two stole the show, and I shouldn't even say that. These two didn't steal anything. Luke Harper stole the show. Luke Harper was a stud on Sunday night. He looked solid in the ring. He's the most underappreciated big man in the business right now. It's just my opinion. I think that guy is a lights-out stud. I wish they would repackage his character in some way, get shave off that shaggy nastiness of a beard, and put this guy into a main program. I think he is insanely talented and so underappreciated. So, as everybody can expect, you're not going to beat the Royal Rumble winner by a guy who's essentially a mid-carder by their standards. So, of course, Randy Orton goes over with the quick RKO out of a discus punch attempt by Harper, and win goes to Orton. Naomi comes out and pulls off the win. She defeats Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She had an interview afterwards. She got very emotional about what this meant to her. I am absolutely thrilled that WWE did the right thing here. Naomi has spent her time, she's paid her dues, and never had the Women's Championship, and now she does. And this is something necessary. I think in the history of professional wrestling, some of the greatest African-American performers have been passed over far too many times for opportunities to wear those championship belts that really mean the most. You had people like Bobo Brazil and, and people like that back in the day who would get like the United States championship, but no world champions. The first world champion was Ron Simmons back in like 1992. That's too, That was too long to begin with, and there's too many breaks in between. Naomi is a great worker. She's done everything she's been asked to do. All these other people have come up from NXT, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch. All these people have come up and taken the spotlight, and here's a girl who's been there all this time finally getting her due so congratulations to Naomi so happy to see a great role model as a wrestler actually carry that women's championship and represent the African-American crowd who who has a hero in the women's division now to look up to congratulations to her it's an awesome thing then we go into the chamber Elimination Chamber, it, it was awesome. They changed the chamber a bit. I think it looks better. I think it's safer because if you didn't notice, there's no more Whopper griddle marks, as Chris Jericho liked to call it in the one paper, uh, the one Shawn Michaels documentary. He said that he hated going to the first chamber because when you would land, it would land so hard you'd get the Whopper marks on your arm. Well, not anymore. Now there's padding down. It makes it a little more sustainable. Less people are going to get hurt. The match started with Cena versus Styles. They had a great set. Uh, 
great back and forth exchange to start the match. I don't think anybody was timing anything because it seemed like they had a significant amount of time to work together before anybody else came into the match. Um, Ambrose entered third, followed by Bray Wyatt, followed by Baron Corbin. Kind of going quick through those because I felt like that one of the highlights of the match didn't really happen until Baron Corbin came in and he just absolutely decimated everybody. If you wanted to book Baron Corbin to look strong, they did it. This was a great debut in the chamber for Corbin. He laid waste to everybody until the clock counted down for The Miz to enter. And when The Miz's time ran out and his door opened, he took his time coming out. It distracted um, Baron Corbin long enough for Ambrose to get the win over him. And then he goes crazy. He's eliminated first. He attacks uh, Ambrose. Total beatdown. Whatever. It, it, I, I, my frustration with this is you had a really good thing going there with The Miz and Corbin. And those are going to go by the wayside because The Miz is not going to feud with Corbin heading into Mania. He's going to feud with John Cena. And Corbin now is obviously going to go with Ambrose. And it, 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 I just feel like that you missed some opportunity there. That Miz-Corbin thing had some had some some substance to it. I think the pa- fans really like that. Now we're going to have to wait to see that to a later time. But whatever because of the beatdown by corbin after he got eliminated ambrose gets pinned by uh the miz he gets eliminated next cena ends up eliminating the miz with an attitude adjustment bray wyatt then he escapes an aa and reverses it into sister abigail to eliminate john cena letting everybody know that there's going to be a new champion crown tonight and you know going into the match and i said this several times in the previous podcast episodes that bray wyatt was the odds-on favorite to win and i know that you know that watching the match you just knew it had to happen but they really booked this thing well where it looked like styles really may be giving the championship back the problem is is logically speaking there is no storyline in place for aj styles to be the world champion heading into mania and there's plenty there for Bray Wyatt. Back and forth, great exchange. Um, You get to see AJ Styles go to hit the phenomenal forearm and he gets caught and it gets it reversed into Sister Abigail. Bray Wyatt is your new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Long overdue. So happy for Bray Wyatt. He really will be a great ambassador for that championship because he's a totally different character from anybody they've had for years and years. He's very unique. Heading into WrestleMania, I don't see him losing the title to Randy Orton if I was booking, but then again, WWE loves to do weird stuff. I I, I didn't like that they had Randy Orton come out at the end and stare at Bray from the ramp while he's in a ring with the championship. I thought that was bad booking, but whatever, that's just my my two cents. That wrapped up the pay-per-view. There are a few other tidbits I want to talk about today from the WWE. Um, first off, congratulations to Teddy Long being inducted into WWE Hall of Fame. One of the managers who really deserves it. Teddy Long has contributed in so many ways, whether it was being a manager of Doom back in WCW, the skyscrapers, the new skyscrapers, the various people that he managed, or if it was his on-screen roles as GMs of SmackDown and Raw and things like that. Teddy Long has always... Or being a referee. I mean, if, you, if you remember, Teddy Long is the one who actually counted Ricky Steamboat gave Ricky Steamboat his first world championship over Ric Flair in Chicago. He's the referee who jumped in and made the call. So he's been involved in some of the really the high-profile things over the years, and this was just a really cool thing to see someone so deserving like Teddy Long get into the Hall of Fame. On the flip side, sad news for some people, Rosa Mendez has announced her retirement from wrestling. Yeah, she hasn't really done a whole lot in recent time. You know, new mother has kicked in, and she wants to spend time with her little one. You know, you can't blame her for that, but... Our, our best well wishes go off to her and her retirement. 
there's a little bit of tidbit of news for Cena coming out of the chamber and after WrestleMania. John Cena has not advertised for any shows after WrestleMania all the way up until Survivor Series. It gives you the idea there's a chance maybe Cena's going to be disappearing and taking some more time off. He's been doing this a lot the last few years. So when the last couple months when he's been talking in these interviews and things, talking about how he's not a part-timer, how he's there for the long haul. He's nowhere near retiring, but now he's going away, potentially going away. It's not confirmed. It's just a rumor at this point, but he's potentially going away for another extended period of time. And that's got to be frustrating to Vince, who's put so much time and energy into him because they really don't have a lot of the upper echelon stars right now. So on the topic of John Cena, though, they did set up his match at WrestleMania, the one that we all don't want to see. In the back after the chamber, Nikki Bella walks by Maurice and bumps into her, which clearly is going to lead to the mixed tag team match. John Cena and Nikki Bella versus uh, Miz and Maurice. We, we've, we've been speculating on that for a couple weeks now. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I just wish they would have come up with something better for John Cena before he's going to go away for a while. Last match we're going to see is him going against the Miz, who I'm not arguing the Miz talents, but I don't think the the rest of the world respects the Miz like hardcore wrestling fans do. Um, the Miz has contributed so much in the last year, and he's worthy of a match with John Cena, but I don't think that the casual fly-by-night fan cares about the Miz right now. John Cena needed to be in there with somebody who the rest of the world, who's not an average fan, would still recognize, and that's not going to happen. Um, moving on to Raw, because I do have other stuff after that I want to get to, but Raw kicked off tonight. Stephanie McMahon, her in-ring segment, she talks about Mick Foley being at home because of having the boo-boo face about uh, Samoa Joe coming to the show. Roman Reigns ends up coming out. He looks like he's been beat up in the back already. He's still hurting from last week, which is fabulous because it makes him look like a wuss all week, but whatever. Um, talks about how he wants to face Strowman tonight. He doesn't want to wait till Fastlane. Strowman, she announces, has already been booked. He's going to be taking on somebody else later. And then, to my surprise, Gallows and Anderson come up to the top of the rampway, and they complain about him disrespecting Stephanie McMahon and how they want to have a two-on-one handicap match with him, um, which... Stephanie Grants, in honor of Teddy Long, playa. You know, she sets the match. They come out for this two-on-one handicap match. It's all right. It's a good match. Back and forth. They all hit their high spots or whatever. Uh, it becomes a disqualification win for Reigns uh, when the two of them won't stop beating him down. One of them won't get out of the ring. Kind of a pointless match if you if you think about it, Nick. What are you doing with Reigns when you got the World Tag Team Champions out there? They obviously don't have anything of significance for the night, so you're putting them in there with him, which kind of makes them look weak because the two of them are supposed to be champions and they can't beat one guy combined. Just saying. Don't like the booking. Uh, the next match saw Kofi Kingston go over Bo Dallas. This was kind of a cool match because you got Kofi Kingston working his tail off in the ring, and on the outside you've got Big E and, and Woods just doing their thing about the ice cream and all the other silliness. So some good high spots here. They actually made Bo Dallas look relatively serviceable in this match, and he ends up walking into an SOS, and that's it. You know, Kofi Kingston comes away with the win, but for Bo Dallas, good, nice performance. I actually appreciate that. Uh, Noam Dar with Alicia Fox is in the next match going against Jack Gallagher. You know Gallagher's not going to win right or not going to lose right now. He's getting ready to go in and challenge Neville for the cruiserweight championship. He ends up winning the match after a running drop kick in the corner. Yeah, Gallagher's he's growing on me. I really like his character. I think he does a good job. And then you have Neville come out at the top of the ramp, hold up the championship. It's gonna it's gonna be an interesting match. I don't think Gallagher has any chance of taking the title from Neville purely based on WrestleMania uh, opponent. Um, I don't. I can't see that being a long-term feud. 
and nothing in 205 Live has been yet, so I expect Neville to retain the title, but I expect Neville to be getting a challenge from Austin Aries also, so we'll see how that turns out. They show Triple H and Joe arrive in a limo backstage, and then the long 17 weeks we've been waiting for Emily, Emelina to debut. She comes out for the Emelina makeover, and she makeover into Emma, which is who she was before she went out to injury. So little confused just saying i don't know why they built this thing up for all those weeks coming soon coming soon coming next week coming soon and she's just back to who she was okay whatever little strange just saying there's a segment with bailey backstage she she does talks about how people say, say she doesn't belong there tonight she's going to achieve her dream yeah, relatively quick segment there was a lot of segments tonight i'm, I'm not going to do my normal complaining about that let's just say that i guess it was necessary leading up to her bout um they have another segment with Jericho talking to Owens in the back. They're talking about their festival of friendship that's going to go down. It looks like, you know, Jericho is extraordinarily excited about it. I don't know if Owens looks like he is or not. Triple H walks in, has a conversation with Owens, which is very awkward because even after the show goes off the air, I still don't know what to make of that. don't know what Triple H's affiliation with Owens is, but just a weird way to end the segment. So that ended and led right into Braun Strowman's match where he was going to he's facing Mark Henry. This actually surprised me. Henry, you know, the guy is not that old that he should be this debilitated in a ring. I mean, they, they make him look weak. Now, at the one point, he picks him up. He picks up Strowman for the world's uh, strongest slam. Does not work. He ends up uh, reversing it. Strowman reverses the world's strongest slam into his running power slam. Kudos to him for being able to jack him up and do the running power slam on a man the size of Mark Henry. But I just I feel bad for Mark Henry. He, as long as he's been in the company, you would think that they would find a better way to use him or not use him at all and make him an ambassador. But I just hate seeing him get buried that bad when he used to be such a big deal. So, but whatever. We got to see him on TV for the first time in a couple weeks. More power to him. Uh, Roman Reigns comes out at the end of the match, hits a couple of Superman punches. He misses a spear, which gets turned into the running power slam. I kind of like that. Um, I like that the, you know Strowman has been built to be so strong, and he still is, even though he's going against the big bad, heavily pushed and heavily booed Roman Reigns. So I'm happy that they, they ended that little segment the way they did with Strowman looking strong. Um, Bailey is then shown in the back. She's boxing with Cesaro and Sheamus. They get interrupted by Enzo and Cass, who are who are in their face and they're complaining back and forth about the disqualification of previous week. Enzo and Cass throw out a challenge for them for this week. You had to see that coming. They go to a segment with Samoa Joe in the back with Michael Cole. Talks about different relationships that Triple H has had in the past. Shawn Michaels, Batista, etc., etc. Talks about... You know, does Joe have any concerns about that? And Joe makes reference, including the Seth Rollins relationship, he makes reference that all those people needed Triple H to have the back and that he doesn't need Triple H. Um, at the end of the day, he, he the, the quote that I really, really loved is he said that the creator unleashes the destroyer. I think that's like such a cool sounding tagline, but whatever. Next match, Sami Zayn comes out. He actually, I'm going to back up a second. Joe actually threw something out there about he's not Sami Zayn out there having a good time being on the roster. You know, he's here to, he's going to destroy everybody in his path. That's important because when Sami Zayn comes out for his match with Rusev, which was a really actually a pretty cool match, I hate it that they're making Rusev like the, he was an unstoppable tough guy for like a year and a half in the past, and now all of a sudden he can't beat Sami Zayn or even put up much of a challenge to Sami Zayn. I, I guess that's what happens when you break kayfabe and get married without WWE being involved at all and all that kind of stuff back in that last year and getting nuclear heat on his, his wife 
because she likes to open her mouth when she shouldn't. I guess that's how you end up getting buried on, on the show. And Rusev's been complaining recently online about how much he's unhappy. So I guess that's why they put Zayn over so strong over him. Uh, he addresses Joe's comments in an interview after the match. And you hit cue Joe's music. Joe comes from behind and attacks Sami Zayn. Throws him into the screen. Locks in the coquina clutch and makes him pass out cool way to keep Joe building strong without having to put him in the ring for a match. Um, don't know why you haven't attacked Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's got a few to work on, but whatever. It, it works because it still makes Joe look like an unstoppable tough guy, so I'm cool with that. Uh, another 205 Live segment, Akira Tozawa comes out to take on Arya Davari. They're really pushing Akira Tozawa. I guess they're trying to appeal to that audience. I know they're looking to do a tournament like they did in the UK over in Asia as well, and this may be a way to build him to be potentially the winner or the star of that tournament i'd be okay with that you know he seems to be a really talented high-flying cruiserweight so we'll have to see how that works out then we get to the festival of friendship festival of friendship was just so awkward they have uh, jericho talking about this statue this special statue and they pull out the statue and it's the two of them like intertwined which is thoroughly disgusting they have the next thing is Jericho presenting a portrait of he and Kevin Owens almost touching hands. And it's kind of creepy and whatever. And you could see where they were going with it. Very weird. Um, he has the friendship magician come out who like pulls a flower out of his mouth. And Kevin Owens makes fun of him because he says like his kid can do that, that trick. And it's nothing special. Jericho gets mad and puts the friendship magician on the list, you know, um, Jericho says that he's got one other present for him, and that's that he's going to take out Goldberg before Fastlane. Uh, EQ Goldberg's music. Here comes the return of Gilberg, which is so cool seeing Gilberg. I mean, that guy, the guy's timeless. What a cool character. He comes out and gets thoroughly beat down by Owens. Owens complains about how he was expecting Jericho to bring, to do all this to draw out the real Goldberg so they could double team and beat him down. Um, and Jericho make, lets him know that the, you know he couldn't make that happen, but he wanted them to know that going he's going to be fine coming out of the pay-per-view because he has his back, which is whatever. Um, Owens actually tells Jericho he feels bad because he didn't give him anything. He has a box for him, and when he gives him the box, inside is a new list. And Jericho's looking at it, and he's all excited, he's thankful, he's, and, and he looks at it and he says... He's the only one on the list. So it's got Jericho on the list. And he's Owens just thoroughly attacks Jericho and takes him out. Throws him through the Jeritron 5000. Absolutely decimates Chris Jericho. You knew this was going to happen at some point. I didn't think it was going to happen before the pay-per-view. A little shocking there. I'm really happy to see it because storyline-wise, it gives you a great way to work things through at the pay-per-view. Jericho will go into the pay-per-view after the, after the attack. He was in the ambulance being taken out of the arena. So going into the pay-per-view it gives an opportunity for Jericho to lose the United States Championship to Sami Zayn and blame it on the injury he suffered because of Owens or Jericho won't be able to defend Zayn will get the title and then be a way to transition it to Joe if you want to do that um, either way you've got an opportunity for a lot of different angles to go on now um, but just the way they booked this was just really cool you see Cesaro and Enzo have their match with their guys out there. That pointless match. Cesaro wins. I don't even want to talk about it because I want to get to the main event. Charlotte and Sasha having a conversation in the back before the women's championship match. Uh, she's, Charlotte says, I don't know why they even let you in the building anymore. You can come out tonight and watch me do something you can't do, and that's win. Charlotte and Bailey go out for their match. It's a killer match back and forth. Awesome moves all over the place. Dana Brooke 
runs out, who we haven't seen her in a little while. She pokes uh, Bailey in the eyes, and it looks like it's going to be the end for Bailey. Sasha Banks comes out, hits Dana Brooke with her crutch. Um, Charlotte gets the figure eight locked in, but then she gets waffled with the crutch too. Bailey hits the belly to belly, and we have a new Raw Women's Champion. Congratulations to Bailey, well deserved. One of the the four horsewomen of wrestling finally getting the championship she deserved quite a while ago. That wrapped up Raw, which actually Raw was pretty entertaining this week. So I have nothing to complain about there. Now, there's some stuff going on in the international world. I don't have a lot of time here, but let's just say Kurt Angle this weekend defeated Alberto El Patron uh, last last weekend in the United Kingdom. Uh, there was a whole thing where Angle got jumped afterwards by Joe Hendry. Uh, Ricochet beat Will Ospreay. Drew Galloway beat Joe Hendry to retain the WCPW uh, Championship. Del Rio is now slated to face Ken Anderson for the Gold Rush World Heavyweight title. It'll be available on the Fight app, F-I-T-E app. Uh, there was a Wrestle Pro event over the weekend that had Rikishi there, Brian Cage from Lucha Underground against Ryback, which was a double countout. Cody Rhodes defending against his uh, his WCPW Internet Internet Championship against Leo Rush and Mario Bocara. Good match, but again, I'm rushing because we're running out of time. By the way, today's look back match: look up at YouTube Mean Mark versus Road Warrior Animal. Watch. The Undertaker, take on Road Warrior Animal back when he was in the skyscrapers, or do a search for Kane, spelled C-A-I-N, Kane, The Undertaker, versus Rick Sampson, if you want to see The Undertaker before they dropped his first name. His first name was originally Kane, The Undertaker, and a lot of people insist that I'm wrong about that. You can look it up and see the match yourself. Everybody, if you like what we do here, please give us a review. Please subscribe. I I am so appreciative. We've had so many new subscribers in the last couple days. Thank you so much for that. I can't tell you how much that means to me. That's all the time we have for this episode. Check back next episode. We'll check out what's going on on SmackDown and all the other tidbits and news. Special thanks to Ben Sound and PurplePlanet.com for their producing all their music and sound effects. We're sponsored this time by Bezel Games, as always. New friend of family game night. Go to www.thegamecrafter.com slash sketchy people to pick up your copy. To Alley Repair for servicing all your classic skee-ball, pinball, and arcade needs. Contact AlleyRepair.com. And if you get a chance, go to our website, www.prolifeplanning.com for your higher education needs. For today, for tomorrow, for life, it's Pro Life. I'm Mr. Fro. Guys, I got to make that a wrap. I hope you all have a great night. Take care.